Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Backseat GM Podcast. I'm Ben Rauman. Ben, I am a happy man. I'm just going to introduce myself as a happy man. You guys know who I am. I am a happy man. Today's a good day in Houston and H-Town. And why is that, Zach? Well, we got we got a bitch out of town. Sometimes, you know, you got to do control at the leap on your computer, clear out the cache, clear out the storage. When your ex leaves you, you delete all those Instagram posts, you archive them. Maybe you get back together again, so you archive them just in case. But in this case, we're deleting them, wiping them off the server, clean sweep. Michael Scott, no, not Michael Scott, Ron Swanson taking his computer and throwing it away. Got got two garbage cans seemed to mix up in my head. But I digress, Ben. Houston is free from the albatross around its neck. It's got to take a hit on the, the local economy, though, somewhat, especially in the uh, strip club scene in Houston. Yeah, with Deshaun Watson possibly leaving, James Harden obviously gone, the Rockets and uh, Astros in turmoil. Um, it's tough. Houston, it, it, the, the scene in Houston is, is getting worse. But, hey, you know, when COVID ends, I may be moving downtown, midtown area, so – Things will be picking up around then. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe they'll see some growth in that uh, in that sector when you get when you get down there. Um, <laughs> Strip club sector. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, more uh, to come. We'll we'll talk about this more. Uh, but that's just a little teaser for what's what's to come. Yeah, a little little teaser trailer. Um, first up, we have the first segment of the show, the part of the show where we talk about some beers that we've enjoyed recently or for in Zach's case where he's in a uh in a bit of a diet right now in the past um the Kevin McAle Zach do you want to talk about a beer you picked and popped in the past and enjoyed I'm actually going to talk about a beer or not so beer I've had recently oh you may say Zach how can you be having a beer during this, these 40 days and 40 nights of, of agony, despair? Um, and I would say to you, you're right, I'm not having a beer. I'm having Heineken Devil Zero. A Heineken that you can be, if a pilot wants to drive a plane, fly a plane, he can't. If a Air Force pilot wants to take a little sip while he's mowing down enemies, he can't. It, so I will say, okay, so my review on it, Heineken 0.0. Um, down six pounds since I started the diet, by the way. I digress. I digress. Um, Congratulations. Thank you, my friend. Um, so, Heineken Double Zero, it tastes like Heineken, only worse. And Heineken is not a, one of my favorite beers. It's soapy. It's bitter. Um, so, imagine um, imagine like a, a bar of soap was shoved up a goat's ass um, and then blended. Um <laughs> that would be what it tasted like. Um, but it's serviceable. It's one. It's the best non-alcoholic beer I've ever had. And I've tried a few non-alcoholic beers in my day because I've gone on various sober journeys. So I will say if you need a beer, not so beer. Um, and I think they're, my dad and I get a little bit of a buzz from it. It's a placebo buzz. But it's yeah. like while we're drinking, we're just like, fuck, there's something in this shit. So, um, but there's not. Um, <laughs> so to wrap it up, um, 
yeah, Heineken Double Zero. It, it's a decent break. I'd rather drink that than soda. I'd rather drink that than um, like lemonade. Um, it makes you remember what you're missing. So that first beer back's going to taste great, but it, it's a good bridge. It's a good bridge. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if drinking a beer would be worth it to me without the uh, without the actual alcohol content. Just feels feels wrong, like they, like they don't go together. Um, but yeah. I mean, I mean, I I obviously appreciate beer for what it tastes like, and that's why we are, you know, craft beer snobs. <laughs> um, what you've been up to in the beer department? It seems wrong to me. Uh, so recently, uh, I've yet to even check this in on Untapped. I keep forgetting every time I have it, but I got a. Ghost Rita beer. Um, it's a tequila barrel-aged ghost sour beer. Um, it's actually it's so it's nine percent alcohol content, which seems a little high for a uh, sour. Um, it's quite the acquired taste. If you don't like tequila, you're not going to like this beer. Um, but that being said. It's very interesting, and I do like it, and I'm really glad I tried it. I might get it again. Wow. Not sure. I, I would probably rate it on Untapped uh, out of five stars. Be like a four point, hmm, either a four point or a four point two five. But how so many can you how many can you drink in a row before it's like? I can only drink one at a time. It's like it's one of those. It's uh, it's not crushable. That's for sure. It's not something you can, you know, just sit back and, you know, cr- crush a whole six pack at a time. That being it's said, it's a nice it's a nice supplement beer. It's like if you're looking for something different, a little something to you know change it up a little bit. Go with a, it's a uh, it's actually called what is this? Uh, tequila, and it's got a shark on it. So it's a plant tequila. Wow. Very clever. So it's like a beer if you want to just sit on your porch for four hours or sit at a bar and do nothing for four hours and just have one beer and just just nurse it. Nurse it home. <laughs> I, would, I honestly wouldn't recommend nursing it because it gets a little tedious at that point. Just 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 plug it back, but that, uh, it's, one, it's one beer. That that shouldn't be a 4.25 in my opinion. It's good. It's, it's interesting enough to make its point. Okay. And I and I like I like the point that it comes to. It comes to a <laughs> comes to a nice sour tequila conclusion. Um, Fair but enough. yeah, I do I do like tequila, but I hate sours. So tequila is like the my the one or not the one shed I can do, but it's like the one that I will choose every time. Like give me give me tequila and a lime and and some salt. I'm I'm golden. I'm golden and pony boy. Put you behind the wheel and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, after a couple, of course. Um, yeah, let's move on to our airballing of grievances, the part of the show where we talk about something we need to get off our chest this week. Uh, Zach, do you have anything you need to get off your chest? Ben, my airballing of grievance this week centers around my hometown, the armpit of America, which is Houston, Texas. I'd rather live here than Dallas or San Antonio, but I'd rather live in Austin. So... But Houston, you can make it. You can make it yours. You can make it. You can make it home. But one thing that I hate about Houston, one thing that pisses me the fuck off, 
art sports teams. Growing up, Killer Bees fan with Astros, Lance Berkman, Craig Biggio, Jeff Bagwell, Roger Clemens, Roy Oswald, Andy Pettit, Brad Lidge, Morgan Innsberg, Brad Osmus. What is this? Is this We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel? <laughs> That's probably the funniest thing you said in all our episodes of podcasting. Then. Um, it's, a, it's a niche joke. Only only some will get it. Um, but thank you for interrupting my flow. Um, so once all those players left the team, I didn't know who to root for. The Astros started sucking. And, you know, comes back in all their glory. I didn't feel like I was part of the team. So I left them, and they come out with cheating. So the Astros, in my book, shit team. Shout out to Noah. As far as the Texans go growing up, you know, you have you have Derek, David Carr, no offensive line, Matt Schaub, Andre Johnson. You have these, you have these legends, but the team doesn't perform. There's always, there's always this, there's always something about Houston sports where something will go wrong. It's just we, we choke, we choked against the Cardinals in the World Series. We choked, we, we choked by putting Matt Schaub in 2000, 2010 into a playoff game, which we were already making the playoffs, and he breaks his foot. Um, and then, that, of course, the Rockets are known as Clutch City, but also known as Choke City. We've, we've blown so many leads. So notice I'm saying we to Astros and Texans. Well, it's, it's not we anymore. At one point in my life, I was, but switched to the dark side, became a Patriots fan, became a Celtics fan, became a Boston Red Sox fan. And long story short, that was because of my, my grandfather. But those teams. You know, it's you really because you're the worst type of person. Well, that's one way to look at it then, but I don't look at it that way. I look at it as as seeing an opportunity to escape from the hellhole that is Houston sports and all the letdowns. Think about all the letdowns that Houston sports fans have had in their lives, and I was able to escape from 20, the horrors. 27 missed threes in a row. Oh, 27 missed threes in a row. A hamstring tear. A mm. Albert Pujols bomb from a Radledge fastball right down the middle of the plate. There's just so many Matt Schaub's six pick sixes in six games. <laughs> There's so many things about Houston. We don't even have a hockey team. Hey, Matt so, Schaub was elite at one point. He was elite at one point. <laughs> He's like we, the Joe we, Flacco of Houston. <laughs> he was like the Matt Ryan of Houston. He was about Matt Ryan. <laughs> so to wrap this up, I think I think Harden leaving is, um, and hopefully, you know, Deshaun Watson's a, a bright spot, but there's some games where he just shits the bed and makes bad decisions. And that's every every sports town has their bad moments. But I just think over the last 20 years, <sighs> Houston sports is just a hellhole of disappointments and frustration because they're decent teams, but then they just shit the bed when it's crutch time. So I don't know my, my general point here, but my general point is, I guess, I'm feeling sorry escaped. for yourself. I, no, I'm glad I escaped. Yeah, by going and being a Patriots fan, taking the easy way out. Grandpa was born and raised in Massachusetts, then. Uh huh. Don't, don't, don't. Me and everyone else in your circle know it. <laughs> so then, after my um, rambling about how I hate Houston sports, mm-hmm. let's bring it back to the NBA specifically. What do you have? What pisses you off? Uh, yeah, nothing as melodramatic as you, but, um, (laughs) I just wanted to take this time to bitch about the COVID protocols. They're Uh such a joke. Um, 
the NBA has basically gone from a bubble, which was, you know, just a couple months ago at this point, to doing a full normal season, basically, having limited travel and, you know, obviously some soft COVID, like, rules set in place. It's already a shit show, though. Like, there's been so many games postponed. Like, the fucking Philadelphia 76ers played with eight, seven people. They, they had an eight-man roster because they had Michael, or Mike, Michael Scott, Mike Scott suit up, even though he was not going to play because he was injured, just to have eight people on their roster. It's, it's like, getting ridiculous. Doc Rivers joked that Dwight Howard would have to play point guard. Like, I just think that the NBA needs to reevaluate their protocols, like, figure their shit out, because what they're doing currently is not working. And I don't know what that might entail, if it entails going back to a bubble-like structure, which is probably out of the question at this point, because that takes a ton of planning, or, like, having stricter rules, having teams flat out not play if or just like I, I don't know not have these like bullshit eight player games that we've been having like there's been multiple games where like the Celtics played one where they only had like eight active people um and since then there's been multiple postponements over the last couple of days if the NBA wants to put out the best quality product which is what they claim to do you know that's what Adam Silver preaches they need to figure this shit out and do something different because what is happening right now is not sustainable for a 72-game season. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's my grievance for today. Ben, I couldn't agree more. And I just – I was going – thinking about a, a, a past podcast that we had where we did our over-under for how many COVID cases we thought there'd be in the NBA season. We, I think we said that 71, 70 and a half, half, I think. And you took the under. Um, I slammed the over. And as of right now, 117 players have contracted the coronavirus as of January 7th. Okay, but have, have, have they contracted the coronavirus or have they been exposed to COVID and therefore have not been able to play? There's a difference. No, we just said how many players would get COVID. And, and as of January 7th. Get COVID. Get COVID. Not necessarily all these players have gotten COVID. They've just been exposed to COVID. No, they have at least 117 – this is per NBC Sports, Ben. At least 117 players have contracted coronavirus. I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> and that was as of January 7th. So I think you're, I think you're wrong. <laughs> it's probably up to 135 by now. Did I really take the under on that? I don't yes. remember doing that. Um, nobody, nobody go back and listen to that. Uh, <laughs> I slammed the over for the record. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> but that's a great point, Ben. Is we talked, we actually talked, did talk about this. How it's dangerous. How we thought players would take this more seriously. How you know this this messes with their salary cap, their salary. Uh, we thought they would be more vigilant, and uh, we did question the, uh, not going to a bubble at first, and um, it just didn't it didn't seem viable. It's we're at our, you know, they made these decisions during the third peak, which is the highest peak. Um, so the, nothing it's, has gotten better. 
Yeah, and it's not even like it's the player's fault necessarily in all cases. Like, I mean, sure, some of them have broken protocol and stuff like that. James Harden uh, <laughs> is one such Kyrie. figure. Yeah, Kyrie went to his, I think it was his sister's birthday party. Um, and then there's, like, video floating all over the internet with that. But, um, I mean, majority of cases is just lazy – it's lazy protocols that the NBA put in place, and you'd think they would have seen this coming. Like, they were at the front of being the most progressive league in terms of dealing with this shit, and basically just forgot that in the month and a half that uh, the NBA was in the off season. <laughs> so I, I really don't know what the next move is. I feel like this is not a sustainable model for the rest of the season. They're going to have to do something. Um, Couldn't agree more. With that being said, um, let's get to the main bit of news we have for this week, the James Harden trade. So I'm sure all of you are aware at this point, if you listen to an NBA podcast, um, the Houston Rockets have traded James Harden in part of a four-team deal that will send him to the Brooklyn Nets to join up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, We can get into some of the specifics of the trade in a second here. Um, Some of the main takeaways are the Rockets getting Victor Oladipo uh, from the Pacers. Oh, my God. Jeez, I'm sorry for every listener who has their headphones on higher volume. Um, The Rockets get Oladipo, Dante Exum, Redyans, Karuks, as well as three Brooklyn first-round picks, a Milwaukee first uh, in 2022, which is unprotected via the Cavs, uh, and then four Brooklyn first-round pick swaps in 2021, 2023, 2025, 2027. The Nets get James Harden. Zach, what are your initial takeaways from this trade as a Rockets fan? So my initial takeaway was I got a call, Ben. So I called you up, um, um, and I actually didn't get my assignment properly done. So, but it was worth it because I got to talk with you about it, and it was kind of funny. We both kind of found out about it at the same time. Was, I don't have alert notifications on my phone because I, I like finding it out on my own time. But I digress. I've digressed a lot tonight, apparently. Um, so my initial thoughts were: Wait a second! All we got was Depot and and three first round picks. I mean, like. I like Depot. He's coming back, averaging 25-4, and four, having a good year. He's a mini Paul George. You know, there's things to like. Mini Paul I, George isn't necessarily a good thing, but... Um. <laughs> it's, it's better than Dante Exum. Um, so, I then I saw the four pick swaps. I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go. That's pretty. It's a pretty good deal. So, we, we got the Nets by the balls for most of the 2020s, and this core only getting older for the Nets. I'm sorry, the Nets core will only get older. And um, even, in, you know, it depends on how long they want to stay together. There's already – we'll talk about this later. There's already friction going on with Kyrie. Um, so I, I like these picks. They're going to be good. Um, when I, what I, My initial takeaway overall is – we got a fun team now. It's going to be a fun team to watch with three guys kind of coming off serious injuries. And 
is rolling the ball out there. Three guys, if this team was in their primes, and it'd be definitely a, a finals contender, I think. But um, currently constructed and with them still trying to get their feet wet, I, you know, it's just going to be a fun team to watch and, and um, in, the, in the near term, but we're set up in the long term. And Ben, you pointed this out to me that Depot's on an expiring deal. So it gives us flexibility that if we like the way he gels, we can um, re-sign him. Or if we don't like him, we can let him walk. Or if, if it doesn't even work out by the trade deadline, we can trade him by the trade deadline. So um gives us flexibility there. And um, I don't like where it leaves us as a whole defensively, but Harden wasn't anything defensively. So we, we lose a, a top five shooting guard of all time, but we gain um, – team chemistry so looking forward to just seeing how we gel and it's going to be a fun ride no expectations yeah um i I was asked earlier who won the trade um i I don't know if there's a clear winner because i think a lot of the parties definitely uh came away with positive things uh the nets obviously get james harden who is a top five player in the NBA uh, at minimum to join Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, which might be one of the most talented uh, big threes the league's seen. Um, And before we even talk about, you know, fit or anything with the Nets, like the talent alone will push you to a certain place. Like the ceiling of this team is astronomical. The floor is something that you might, you know, put into question with their depth and how these players are going to work together. Like they're all, they're all ball dominant uh, guys. None of them really play defense or have any interest in playing defense. They don't really have that much interest in playing off ball. Um, But, you know, there's a certain, there's a, there's a certain floor too that comes with having three guys of that caliber. Like you can space their minutes a little bit, always have an elite creator on the floor at, at one time. Um, so the Nets obviously benefit tremendously. Whatever amount of picks it was that it took, it was worth it. You know, from the Nets' perspective, the Rockets get one of the biggest hauls we've seen from a superstar trade. Like insane four picks in the first round plus four first round pick swaps. Like this is, I mean, the Bucks paid a lot for Drew Holiday. The the Nets paid astronomically more for, you know, James Harden as they should. Um, So I think the Rockets definitely got, you know, the best offer they could hope for, especially in a situation where like even earlier today, like Harden was talking about how, he needs to get out. You know, you could see a team maybe trying to you know, squeeze the Rockets for a little bit less. But, I mean, there was competition. Uh, we we heard that Philly was offering packages featuring Ben Simmons, Matisse Tybel, and picks. Um, but Brooklyn came out with a better offer in the end. So, um, I, I think that, you know, both the Nets and Rockets definitely come out positive here for sure. Um in addition, the two other teams that were involved in this, um, the Indiana Pacers, who gave up um, Victor Oladipo, of course, 
they got Karis LeVert in return and a second-round pick. Um, you know, Karis LeVert, kind of like a 2-3 wing. Um, similar positionally to Oladipo, might be able to slot down uh, a little further. Uh, Oladipo's a little bit more of a guard. LeVert might be a little bit, he could slot in more as a forward. Um, so we'll see, you know, how that works. It probably is worth it from the Pacers' perspective, considering they already have a lead guard in Malcolm Brogdon. Um, Karis LeVert just gives them something different, somebody who's not coming off a major injury. Um, so that's always a positive. Um, and then the Cavs. <laughs> Maybe the real, you know, low-key winners of the steal all they give up is the late Milwaukee first that they got uh, in the original George Hill trade, which, you know, in 2022, I'm sure the Bucks will still be good by then. Probably pick 25 or 26 at the very latest. Um, in exchange for that singular pick, they get a young rim protector in Jared Allen and a really great rotation piece in Toreen Prince. Um, so basically get two for the price of one. Uh, both those guys are legit rotation players in the NBA. Jared Allen be a starter immediately for the Cavs. Um, over Cav- the Ca- Over who? Drummond? I, I think so. I mean, especially if they're going to be – Drummond is um, – He's got one year left in his deal. They're kind of, like, using this as, like, kind of his trial period. I mean, obviously Drummond is a talented player. He just doesn't really fit with the modern game as much. Jared Allen is a far superior rim protector. I, um, I couldn't agree more. I just think that um, Drummond, the person like Drummond's ego would be hurt if they – so they'd, they may be moving Drummond. I don't know if they care. Yeah, I don't don't know if they care about Drummond's ego. They got him for pennies on the dollar from the uh, Detroit Pistons. Like, this is – they don't want to overpay Drummond. Drummond's probably going to want a decent amount of money. I would much rather pay Jared Allen. So, like, if you can see how Jared Allen fits with this young core you got with uh, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, you know, you're going to do that. Yeah. we may see a, a Drummond. Uh, the Bucks may do a little little swing trade for Drummond. Short I, I, don't, center. I don't think they will. Maybe um, uh, Lopez for uh, Andre Drummond. Child? Let's not get sidetracked with bullshit. <laughs> um, <Okay. laughs> yeah, I, I I think that uh, this is a really positive deal for all parties involved. Um, I think the Pacers probably got the most lateral uh, from the move, just because I don't know how much better Karis LeVert is from Victor Oladipo. Oladipo's having a nice season, but there's less injury risk, I guess, with LeVert. Um, And I think he might be younger than Oladipo now. Uh, Might want to fact check me on that one, but I feel like Karis LeVert's younger than Victor Oladipo. Um, But yeah, uh, the Rockets are going to be fun this year. Like you said, if nothing else, uh, I could see them possibly vying for one of the final Western Conference spots. Um, no doubt. This, is, this isn't a bad haul for them by any means. Uh, no. 
So for, then, for the short term, anyway. I just want to say a quick thing on Levert, and I got a question for you. Um, and the whole Nets situation, I just thought the Nets, the way they were constructed with a happy Kyrie, you know, in, injury-free Dinwiddie, um, I just thought they were like a perfect team because they balanced the defense, they balanced the offense, and they got some great guys coming off the bench. Um, but, you know. Did they, though? Like, currently, did they have defense anyway? Not really, but I'm saying, like, I like Jared Allen's defense. I thought Levert plays decent defense. Like, they have guys, like, they got away. Mm-hmm. Like, Jared Allen's their best defender, in my opinion. So, um, they got rid that's of him. True. And Jordan only plays limited minutes, so that's what we talked about off this call, off this podcast, is that, you know, they were probably going to have to be picking up a center because Drum, uh, Jordan can't carry a full game load, especially a playoff game load. Um, and you wouldn't want thought, him to anyway. You wouldn't want him to anyway. Um but I thought Levert was really good for them this year. But, you know, what's interesting is tonight's game, um, Kevin Durant lit up – lit up. Um, I forgot who they played. I'm sorry. But um, he had a, he rolled out there without Kyrie, without um, – with Joe Harris, basically. And they went to work, and uh, they won. So that kind of eased my fears is he took just a bunch of random guys and – um, made some magic happen. So with Durant on the level that – sorry, the Knicks. Uh, it is a Knicks, but the Knicks are playing decent this year. Um, so with Durant on the level he is now, it's going to be interesting to see if Kyrie comes back. Um, the Kyrie situation is murky. I mean, is he going to retire and be a civil rights activist? Is he just um, kicking tires and, you know, pulling his usual Kyrie shit? I mean, I don't want to judge him too early because he may have a larger goal, but um, – Right now, it's a little suspect, but leaving the NBA in the dark. But it, it may be a thing where it's just Durant and Harden moving forward, and if so, the Nets kind of needed to make that deal because as great as Durant is, he's not going to be able to carry a team to the finals by himself. He's going to win some games, but like he showed tonight. Um, so I guess my, my question has been um, how many let's, – let's just assume for the sake of argument that Kyrie comes back to earth. Um, <laughs> Comes back to a not a flat earth. Yeah, that was that was it's a meatball there. But how many um, championships do the Nets need to win to justify this haul? Two. How many? Wait, how many games? How many championships do they need to win oh. in order to justify? Oh, I mean, if you win a championship with this squad, it justifies it automatically, and I think it justifies it. Anyway, just by having the ability to, you're putting all your chips on the table. If you have the opportunity to get James Harden, you're going to get James Harden um, every single time. So, I mean, obviously depth matters to an extent, and obviously you want role players who can gel with your stars coming off the bench. I mean, the Nets still, like, they don't have a bad roster. Like, the the hall no. originally reported was like from a player perspective much more um like from the speculation uh in trade pra- packages that the nets could put together um and i think you know that's part of the reason they tried to work in a couple extra teams just so that they wouldn't completely deplete the nets bench um they did lose some key players like levert and um, obviously Jared Allen, but they kept Joe Harris. Uh, they still have Landry Shamit, 
They still have Tyler Johnson, Timothy uh, Luau Cabarro, Jeff Green, um, Spencer Dinwiddie, Bruce Brown, decent player. Um, and then they also have three open roster spots. They have their um, $5.7 million tax mid-level uh, minimum exception, and then likely a $5.7 million disabled player exception. So they got some space here to fill out their roster still. Um, obviously, I think priority number one is getting some caliber of center in there, um, some some kind of rim protector, because DeAndre Jordan at this age is just not going to get it done for you on a consistent basis. Uh, especially in the playoffs. Um, obviously, the Nets are going to be relying on outscoring opponents anyway. They're not going to be playing much defense at all. But having somebody in there who's able to just rebound, play defense, I mean, you can find those type of guys on the market still, I think. Um, somebody who's halfway competent. Hey, call up Marcin Gortat or uh, Joaquin Noah. Zaza Pachulia. Zaza <laughs> <laughs> Pau Gasol. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, the ghost of Pau Gasol's knees. Um, it's, uh, speaking of the Rockets being fun to watch, obviously this next team is going to be insane to watch. I hope Kyrie figures out what he's going through. And uh, there's reports talking about he didn't like Steve, the Steve Nash um, hire. And, you know, there was reports yeah. today that the Nets were going to um, – uh, they were had everybody on the table except for Kevin Durant, so that included Kyrie. So Kyrie's name's being thrown around in trades, but like this was kind of his his thing to work through, and it was supposed to be his team. So now it's not going to be his team again. Another team where it's not going to be his team that he thought it was going to be his team. So I hope Kyrie, um, you know, if he's going through something mentally, I, I wish him all the best. But if, if if he's just being a bitch about you know. Um, not getting playing time, we're not getting his wishes demanded. Then I hope he, hope he gets that elite, and I hope he uh, alleviated, and I, ho- I hope he gets back to Kyrie dropping thirty-five a night, like he was in the first week, two weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, playing time is not going to be an issue for him. He's one of the three stars on their team. Like, I'm at, it's, I'm it's a ball. matter of role. I'm at role. You know what? I yeah, mean. yeah. I mean, but that's that's part of the problem with this team. Like, they're all ball dominant guys, and we've beat this subject to death, but like yeah. it's going to be really hard to run a cohesive offense around those three players if none of them are going to be willing to do much off-ball. So Yeah, that's why the Warriors work so well is because they were willing to be unselfish and, and, and sit in the corner or run around screens. These guys have never done that in their career. Well, and just, so. they're exactly, they're player archetypes that Warriors team like they they're much more suited to anyway like just their playing styles and how they how they play like it's not necessarily a knock on any one of these three guys like no. the reason Kevin Durant was able to fit in so seamlessly with that Warriors team is before him you have Steph who's the ball dominant guy he's the one who's doing all the offensive actions you have Clay Thompson who's playing off ball and you know Harrison Barnes playing off ball. You have Draymond Green, who's kind of like a glue guy for them, kind of doing some secondary playmaking alongside Steph, uh, as well as his elite defense. Um, And then, you know, KD comes in, and Steph is able to 
be that off-ball player. His off-ball movement is, you know, it's it's elite. Like it's elite. him and him and Clay Thompson are both really really good at like running around screens and like getting open on their own off-ball, just allowing for an easy pass to them um, for yeah. the, the person who's creating and like that's why that group works. Like you could you could give it to Kevin Durant. And he could ISO and do whatever, you know, do Kevin Durant things. Or you could give it to Curry. He could do the same thing. But, like, you could also run a cohesive offense around those four players because they all brought something to the table uh, yeah. outside of primary initiating. Like, Curry so, can touch the ball ten times. He can score 30 points. Right. You can be Clay Thompson, dribble the ball 12 times in a game and score 60 in three quarters. Like Exactly. That is the type of elite off-ball work that made that team so good. And you don't really have that same luxury in Brooklyn. You have the talent, which very well could take them to a finals and, you know, possibly win. But, you know, it's not just about talent. It's also about chemistry. It's about fit. Um, But, you know, this is, like we said before, one of the most talented big threes we've ever seen. So maybe that talent just takes them over the top anyway. Uh, Just wanting to touch on one last thing before we wrap this up. Uh, You mentioned the Kyrie reports. I feel like we should at least mention what they were specifically about. Um, You kind of alluded a little bit to him not liking the the Steve Nash hire. these are two reports that came out with that came out today uh, by separate reporters. Now, not sure how much credence there is to these, um, if they're actually right. legit. But um, Jason Dumas reported the Brooklyn Nets were always interested in acquiring James Harden, but the deal became imperative in light of the situation with Kyrie Irving. Kyrie is willing to sit out the year if need be, um, according to those close to him. Uh, not sure what that means, why he would be sitting off the season, if it's something where he has a grudge against the organization, if it's something to do with COVID, if it, you know, we don't know. Um, another report from uh, Thomas D says that Kyrie Irving has reportedly been furious at the Nets for not giving him more input on their head coach hiring uh, and was not in favor of Steve Nash, uh, which is, I think, contrary to prior reports where it was agreed by Irving and Durant. So it sounds like, according to this report, it was more of a Durant hire than a Kyrie hire. Um, and then further, his relationship with Kevin Durant has been described as very distant of late. So this... This is very interesting. Sets up, you know, kind of what I talked about in our, uh, you know, preseason over-unders. I kind of thought that this team's chemistry was going to be weird even without Harden. And then I mentioned if Harden were to join, it'd be even weirder. But it kind of reminds me of the Clippers situation where you have these stars who – are kind of all divas in their own way, um, joining a team that had prior success, um, had chemistry amongst themselves, and now here come the stars, and does it work talent-wise? Does, you know, 
obviously Leonard and George are different players than these three. These three are more equipped to run their own offense. Um, but, you know, will it work? Will the chemistry be an issue? Yeah, and it's just the the fit thing. I'm just thinking, like, if it's just Harden and KD, I think they'd be, like, almost better than if it was – it sounds weird to say. Like, they, they need more pieces. So, obviously, the big three with, right now would be better. But I think that with, like, a solid team, I think Harden and KD is, like, almost a better fit than all three of them together. It sounds weird to say, but – No, um, I completely I completely see where you're coming from. And that's kind of what I was ultimately, like, leading up to is, you know, you have – these three guys who are going to be running the offense and, you know, whose turn is it to dribble for 15 seconds of the shot clock? You know, is there, are they just going to take turns with each other? And Harden and KD, like at least Harden is a little bit more equipped to like run the offense completely through him and like get other players involved more than KD would. And KD can play, you know, somewhat in that off ball role, I guess, uh, more than Kyrie, per se. Um, so, I mean, it worked with Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Obviously, Curry's a little bit better off-ball than Harden is, but, I mean, I feel like it's a little bit better of a fit than all three of them. Yeah, and, you know, what's interesting is all three of these guys can average, can get 10 assists every night. Like, KD had a 13 assist game the other night, he had six tonight. Kyrie's been known to have high assist games. Obviously, Harden has had some 60-point triple-doubles. He's averaged close to 10 assists a couple seasons. So these are all guys who know how to create and know how to feed people, but it's based off their own bleeding out the shot clock, breaking down a defense. And, you know, who's going to be setting setting screens to get guys open? Are they going to be running off screens? Because, like, DeAndre Jordan, I mean, is he athletic to run out to the top of the key, set a screen, and then drop back for a feed from Harden? Like, that's something Capella does, Christian Wood can do. But He's not that player anymore. In his prime, right. he was. Right, no doubt in his prime, it'd be amazing. But, like, Harden needs that athletic big man or to, to roll with him. And um, setting off the screen. He can have him in the dunker spot, I guess. Like, that's basically yeah. what you're going to do with DeAndre Jordan now. You're going to put him in the dunker spot and, you know. Obviously, spacing will be a little bit of an issue, but I don't know. Like, is Jeff Green going to be setting screens? Is Landry Schermatt going to be setting screens? Like, I don't. They, they might roll Jeff Green out as their starting center. <laughs> like, who knows? That that could be what they roll with. They might do a small ball thing. Like, Jeff Green has played center before. You For never the know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, Harden's got that big man chemistry with Jeff Green. (laughs) But I guess, all the jokes aside, all the speculation aside, I think we both agree. I think this is actually a question. um, This is a question from from Noah. um, But, like, where do we see the Nets finishing up? But we'll get – that is a question from Noah, right? Yeah, we do. Let's let's to to the mailbag. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just – I guess to wrap this up, I think all parties involved benefited from this trade. I think the Nets are better because of it um, one way or another, especially if, like, this drama with Kyrie worsens. Like, it was happening before Harden even came, so this is just insurance, I guess, for them. 
and even further insurance if like somebody were to get hurt, you know, God forbid. But like this isn't exactly the most durable squad other than yeah. Harden. Um, Harden's been pretty durable um, for most of his career, relatively speaking. But um, yeah, I, I think that the Nets automatically are, you know, one of the top contenders in the East if they weren't already. Uh, the Rockets get a nice retool slash rebuild, um, kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Uh, the cat, the Cavs basically rob rob the rest of the teams blind, uh, and the Pacers. I guess they go slightly younger and slightly less injury free, and they get a second out of it. So, all teams involved, pretty good. Do you have any closing remarks, or are, are you are you good to go? I'm just thinking about Jared Allen, like rolling with Harden and KD. Like he, Jared Allen's playing so well this year. Um, but I guess my closing remarks is I wanted Harden to stay, only if Harden wanted to stay. And I sent you a the DM of, of Boogie Cousins this morning talking about how, you know, the Rockets as a team were like we're working hard, we're busting our ass. And you're out here just doing random shit, not working with us, not building chemistry with us. So Harden was only holding this team back from where it could be. And there's a couple of bright spots this year where I thought, you know, Harden may lead us to like a fifth or sixth seed. Like this is kind of a special team. Make it make some noise. But I'm glad Harden's out. Enough of the drama. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to – I still like Harden. As much as I, I shit on him on this podcast, I still kind of like him. So I, I also like Kyrie. I have, a, I have a Celtics and uh, Cavs jersey T-shirt, so uh, it kind of hurts, but um, it's good to have them out out of the out of Houston, and um, it's going to be fun to watch them all play. And I hope they can all play a bunch of games together. I hope they don't get hurt. Yeah, uh, yeah you've been a Kyrie stand for for a while. Uh, yeah, you were you were big you were big on Kyrie and Westbrook for like couple years there um yeah I just love the way Kyrie plays he's just such a he's got the one of the best handles of all time he's just so dynamic and this might be your playoff team this might be your playoff team to root for the Rockets no the uh the Nets (laughs) um but yeah the Rockets the Rockets will be a fun team to watch they have they have some fun pieces if they're not going to be good they're going to be fun for sure with Wall, Oladipo, Wood and uh, and cousins and then Eric or, Gordon wherever he slots in probably off the bench but yeah um, let's get into a couple other bits of news here before we move on um, so uh, Andre Roberson down bad on Twitter uh, recently he uh, recently uh, apparently broke up with his longtime girlfriend Rachel Demita. Um in a deleted tweet, uh Andre said, I really love you at R A Demita. I'm so sorry, baby. I really fucked this up, everyone. Sad face, sad face. Um never 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 go full Andre Roberson on Twitter, folks. Wow. Uh you're gonna end up on dudes down bad. Um Tropic Thunder reference. Um, I don't give a shit about Roberson's feelings. If he's the one who broke up and if he's the one who did something shitty, I don't give a fuck if, if he's down bad. But, you know, if he was going through some shit or something or something came up that was that, that we don't know about. But if it's something simple like he cheated on her or he just, like, felt like he didn't want to be with her anymore, then don't post on Twitter. Be You know, be own up to what you did. You know what you did. 
Don't feel sorry about it after. And um, fr- free Rachel is all I'm going to say. I haven't said free Rachel for like six years now. So yeah, um, you're you're number one Rachel Demita simp. So I expect to nothing Adam. less. I expect Next nothing Adam. less. That's Adam great. has liked every single one of her pictures. <laughs> yeah, our uh, friend of the podcast, Adam, uh, is number number one Rachel Demita simp. You're number two. I'll take um, it. Bradley Beal, uh, he's been going off for the Washington Wizards recently. Uh, in a recent quote, though, on Washington's defense, he said, we can't guard a parked car. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Wizards are 3-8. and eight. Uh, Beal scored 60 points in a loss to the Sixers and 41 in a loss to the Celtics. Um, free, free Beal. Forget free Rachel Demita, free Bradley Beal. Uh, he really, you know, he might be the Sixers' Plan B now that they lost out on the Harden sweepstakes. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the Sixers will find a way to get Bradley Beal, but I doubt that they would be willing to trade Ben Simmons anymore for him. That seems like kind of a strictly Harden thing. That would have been actually we meant. I'm going to talk about that. Is that Harden? And and B together, that'd be that'd be a really fun team because I think that that's what I think NBA that's needs. better. But yeah, I think that's that's better for the NBA. But um, for balance reasons, ratings people will always, people will tune in the nets to watch it. But I think that that's what exactly what NB needs: a guy who can stretch the guard, a guy who can feed him when he wants to, a guy because Harden likes to take breaks, so he let him do his work, and then they. And it's exactly what Harden needs too. Harden needs like that mobile big man to, you know, be the role guy for him, be in the dunker spot when he's running the offense, and also be the stopgap for him, like, when he's playing shitty defense, you know? And beats the ultimate rim protector for a squad that has James Harden. Like, I I would argue that the Sixers with Harden and Embiid and then a little bit of depth, like, that's a better squad than this Brooklyn Nets squad. In my opinion, I would be more afraid of Philly with Harden and Bead and shooters than I would with this net squad of Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Harden with next to nothing behind them, other than some role players that are more equipped at getting their own shot. That's my hot take. I'm gonna have to think, we're gonna talk about that tomorrow. Uh, next next pod, I'm gonna have to think about that. I have to think about that. I just think it's, it's such a good duo, such a perfect fit. Whereas this fit with the Nets is so weird. Like Embiid's elite. Like he's like especially if you just had like Harden and like Kyrie. Like Embiid's way better of a fit than Kyrie, even if they're on similar levels from a you know ranking talent wise in the league perspective. You know. I think Harden and KD with depth is better than Harden and Embiid with depth. I, I would agree with that, just because KD is, you know, better <laughs> a top two player yeah. when he's healthy. Um, but but yeah. So back to Beal. This is welcome to the Russell Westbrook experience. Russell Westbrook is averaging under twenty points this year. He's averaging forty um, percent from two. He's averaging thirty percent from three. He's playing like absolute dog shit. And this is something that the Rockets, that hurt the Rockets, is is Westbrook. <laughs> His defense, we had we had Covington, we had Tucker, 
you know, we have Austin Rivers. These are all guys who play solid defense. And then the in comes in comes Westbrook and just the absolute liability gets torched on every single small move that a guard does. He falls for it because he's trying to be trying to go for all those steals and tries to go for play. So he's not a disciplined defender. So he he breaks down a, a team's defensive chemistry, and he's a selfish defensive player. Like I said, he's going for his assists, going for rebounds. So also he pushes the hurried pace on offense. So you know, at least the fast breaks for the other teams. And then he's not able to get back on the fast breaks because he's still complaining to the ref or he's like celebrating even though he missed a shot. So um, this is the hate on Russell Westbrook segment here. This is the Zach's vent uh, segment if he wasn't venting already earlier in the show. Yeah. So to wrap it up, I think this is Beal's plan absolutely amazing. And um, Westbrook's, as much as Westbrook tried to make it out like this is his team and stuff, it's just Westbrook's a liability. They got Robin Lopez back there, though, so. <laughs> but, you know, even don't, if. Don't try you, to tell me he doesn't have help. <laughs> even if Westbrook was playing at, like, elite defensive level, who else do they have on defense around? Like, Mahimi. Um, Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez. <laughs> Bertans. I mean, they they got they have a really shitty team for defense. Do they still Sadoransky? I don't even know. So they're like they're like if the Nets had no talent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the Rockets. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't saying much because. I mean, the Rockets you know. at least have like Tucker. I guess he's a good defensive player. Yeah. I, I meant, like, without, like, anybody, I guess. I guess they used to be any team. But, yeah, the Nets without him. So, um, feel bad for Beal, but. <laughs> Can't bad. guard a parked car. That's a shame. Um, maybe uh, we'll swing into the Rockets. Oh. <laughs> maybe. Right, maybe the Lakers will make a maybe, swing for him. Maybe the Bucks will trade Brooke Lopez for Bradley Beal. Straight up. <laughs> Straight up. No. If the, if the Lakers, the Lakers aren't in the mood to to make any changes. They got a perfect team right now with what they're constructed. But if they could get Beal, that'd be that'd be Lakers the, Nets in the finals probably. The, the Bucks will throw in whatever uh, twenty thirty pick they have left um, with <laughs> Lopez to get Bradley Beal, and then hey, maybe Middle- maybe Robin Lopez is a nice treat. Middle- <laughs> hey, Middleton and Lopez for Bradley Beal. Uh, no, I'd rather uh, yeah, I'd rather have Middleton. Than Bradley Beal? Yeah. Because Lopez is gone. Yeah. No, I'd rather have Middleton. Middleton's a more – he's a better fit. He can guard wings and stuff. I mean, Bradley Beal's really good. Um, I'd love to have Bradley Beal. He's a shitty defender, though. So. Yeah, but you got, you got Holiday and Giannis. You do, and that'd be a really good backcourt, having Bradley Beal and Drew Holiday. Like, that's – Super good, but I just – it's a lateral move, if anything, and I'd rather have Chris Middleton just because of the all-around player that he is. He can guard. He can he can involve people in the offense. He's averaging like six assists this year. He's a 50-40-90 shooter. 
Yeah, he can average less than 20 points per game in the playoffs every year he's played. But yeah. Nope, nope, nope. He averaged 25 points per game in the playoffs last year. So. But that was the first year, and he was playing without Giannis for a couple of those games. Suck it. So. No, he, he's playing without Giannis for two games. It was really like two and a half. And that's when he got a lot of his points. That's when he had like two 60-point games that really put his average over. Um, so let's move on to the next segment. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> I just, By the way, listeners, I just tested source subject on purpose because Ben has been a Middleton defender. And Middleton's a really great player. I'm not, I'm not going to shit on him. He's a really great player. Uh, but I just I just wanted to poke Ben's little, little jiglets for a second there because I know how much he loves Middleton and how much how some Bucks fans just shit on Middleton for no reason like I just did so then yeah, was doing never go full Zach um, <laughs> moving on let's move on to a fan favorite uh, part of is the it show. a fan favorite I don't know I've never really heard any <laughs> feedback um, the Delhi desktop the part of the show where Zach uh, talks about all things Delhi. <laughs> Oh, what a great song. Thank you, thank you, whoever made that. Um, should go on American Idol one day. This one is more, this Delhi desktop, since Delhi hasn't played at all this year, he's still battling concussion, concussion protocol. Um, so that's been a week now, about a week and a half, maybe two weeks, maybe even three weeks. He hasn't played at all this year. <laughs> so uh, that's concerning. I, I wish him all the best. hope he's recovering okay and it's just precautionary. But what I have so this week is a, it's an ESPN article. And it's talking about how Kathy Freeman's legacy is driving Patty Mills and why he's worrying for the boomers, the Australian national team. And, and for reference, um, Kathy Freeman is um, a sprinter. And she won uh, 400, 400 meter, uh, 200 meter, and 400 meter uh, gold. And she is in, um, she is, uh, sorry, she's an Australian Aboriginal. Um, so it's it's great for their culture. And so is Patty Mills. So Patty Mills talks about the pride he has um, every time he dons the Boomers uniform, and how this ties back to Delhi. Is Delhi is obviously part of the national team, and the national team is getting older um, for um, for Australia. So they have they lost Andrew Bogut. Uh, at some point, Joe Ingles is going to step away. Della Vadova is obviously going to step away. And Aaron Baines is going to step away. Aaron <laughs> Baines, just as a side note, Aaron Baines is so bad for Toronto. Like, he's unplayable. I thought he was going to be, like, halfway decent for them. Terrible. Just can't Dude. catch balls, can't do anything right. He had a perfect thing going with Phoenix. He did. It was, that was prime, prime Baines there. But these are guys – Baines is kind of on the younger end of the, this group. But they have an old core, and also Patty Mills is older. So they have this old core that's always been mediocre in, in, in the Olympics, but they've been fun to watch. They got Bogut um, sharing QAnon posts on Twitter, you know, just – Oh, really? Getting <laughs> – I didn't see that. Getting up there. uh um, okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, but basically the point is here is, this is the Mil- Patty Mills quote, is there's a prestigious feeling within our program that used to be a joint effort between the playing group and Basketball Australia to make sure when the core that I just talked about steps away, 
that the program is still elite, if not more levels up. So, um, but he's saying that he's got a long way to go, and they've got to focus on Tokyo. Um, let's talk about how a gold medal would lift the boomers, but come on, I mean, they're not, they're not winning gold. But, you know, I wish them all the best, and um, it's kind of a tipping point for the Australian national team that we're going to have to keep an eye on. Ben Simmons is the heir apparent to Delhi on that team. Um, yeah. <laughs> Simmons is going to be good for them. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else. Isn't, isn't like, Kyrie technically Australian? He plays for America, I know. But, like, I thought he was, like, born in Australia or something like that. He's not born. He wasn't born in America, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, you're right. Kyrie should take the mantle. He should uh, decide to play for his for his homeland. Um, just as a side note, before we wrap up, wrap up the uh, the Delhi desktop here, let's visualize and daydream about those Delhi uh, Jared Allen pick and rolls for a minute. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Having uh, having a little little help from Taurine Prince wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either. I just see yeah. Delavadova cracking open a Fosters during practice and just just going for it. Just just violent. Delhi likes his Coronas. Uh, there's oh. a couple pictures of him snapped with Coronas. Well documented. Life is a beach. Life is a beach. It will be interesting to see if Delavadova, you know, a hopefully he gets healthy. But when he does get healthy, um, what his role will be like this year? Because he did he did come back. He did sign a deal to come back and. Probably play some minutes, um, fifteen or so minutes a game. Um, I'm sure he'll so. be their backup point guard. Yeah. Um, some more other of a men- mentorship role for Delhi. A few other um, Australian players: Thon Maker mm-hmm. uh, and Dante Exum. Thon Maker is also on the Cavs. Fun fact: uh, Oh, putting together the uh, the Bucks Light Australian team. As yeah, and Dante Exum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now they have. Oh no! Oh yeah, Dante Exum. That's right. He was on the Cavs, but he's moving to the Rockets now. Rockets. So. Yeah. But okay. Well, Dalvadova, we wish you well, man. Hope you come back. Yep. Safe. Well wishes to the Delhi Delhi Meister. Um, that brings us to the final portion of today's show, the mailbag. Um, let's hear from a couple of our listeners. Our First loyal off, listeners. Our loyal listeners who come back every week with questions after we uh, badger them into giving them to us. Um, first <laughs> comes made. from Noah, who is a very uh, frequent contributor to this <laughs> mailbag section. We do this podcast only for Noah. If Noah's our only listener, we'll still do the podcast. That's true. That's true. This is... Just Noah listening on to a typical phone call from me and Zach. Um, <laughs> yeah. But not being able to butt in about how much he loves LeBron James. <laughs> which is better for all parties involved. Um, so first question from Noah. Who is the team to beat now in the East now that the Nets have Harden? Um, and he also said, like, uh, do the Bucks have something to worry about now, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks? And, you know, there's a couple teams in the East that are definitely contenders this year. I wouldn't necessarily call the Bucks favorites to 
in in the East, uh, the Nets were up there even before this trade, uh, and we've discussed at length now how the Nets uh, might be. Sixers are up there too, obviously, and the Celtics, and you know the Raptors actually look really bad, which is not great for our over under predictions. But um, the Nets, I feel like, are probably at this point during the regular season, at least, uh, a top three team. Uh, We'll see how it shakes out record-wise for them in the regular season. But as we know, talent uh, wins out in the playoffs more often than not. Uh, We'll see how the fit, uh, you know, happens with them. But I think that the Nets are up there with the Bucks at the very least as a team to beat in the East. Um, I think the Bucks have a better fitting core of players, but a less talented core. So their de- and both teams' depth is suspect at this point. Um, the Nets have an unproven coach in Steve Nash. The Bucks have a proven choker in Mike Budenholzer. Um, Damn. Budenholzer, to his credit, has done some adjusting this year. Um. We'll see how that translates to the playoffs. But he has done a little bit more switching in his defense. Um, He's run some more variation in his offense. We'll see. Um, This is kind of do or die for him this year, though, I feel like. Uh, Last year, I was pretty upset with how he handled the playoffs, and it kind of seemed eerily similar to how he handled the first playoffs with the team against Toronto, where – made zero adjustments in that series and ended up giving up a 2-0 lead uh, to the Raptors. But to his credit, he's done a little bit more this year. We'll see what he does. We'll see how much of that was Drew Holiday bullying him into doing better things defensively because Drew Holiday in his like first couple games in a press conference was talking about how – like indirectly talking about how dumb the scheme was, why they weren't switching enough or whatever on certain guard, like, pick-and-rolls or, like, big pick-and-rolls and stuff. Um, so, but I digress. Uh, I think the Nets are going to be up there with the top two or three teams to beat, and we'll see how the chemistry works out. Yeah, I think this is a uh, a question that shows the lack of creativity from our loyal listener that he was just trying to get a question in there and um, thought about what was the first thing on his mind without thinking about it, um, much like we do this podcast. So I encourage our, our listeners, specifically Noah, to uh, generate better questions. Um, but Why are as you far always as, so aimed uh, at our content creators, Zach? These are uh, the people who feed us our content every week. We would have nothing. We could create random names. Paul, Paul Silas. Uh, asked why do the why are the Nets still good? Basically, ah, yes. a, a random name. That's basically a, uh, that's, that's a computer generated coach on 2K, Paul Silas. Glad you picked that up. Um, so when you said ripped her over under, I had the Raptors on the under at 42 and a half games. I had them on the under. So um, looks like Zach is uh, winning two bets currently: uh, the COVID bet and the Raptors bet. So. I'm um, looking forward to that Venmo check hitting my bank account in the near term. But I digress, as I did for the tenth, as I do for the tenth time tonight. Um, back to the question at hand. Um, 
who's the team to beat now? I mean, the same teams that were the teams to beat before. Celtics, the Nets, and the Bucks. Yeah. Maybe the Sixers. Um, we'll see what the Sixers do. Maybe the Sixers. But it's um, it's a question that uh, you probably already know the answers to. So there's that. Like I said, if, if, if the Sixers found a way to swing a trade for Harden, oh, I'd yeah, be a lot more worried about them. Than, oh, that'd, shake it, that'd, that'd make the, the East a lot more balanced. I think right now it's the Nets are the runaway favorite, even though their record is suspect, or in the middle of the pack, I mean. Um, I, we, we did this last week, and we looked at it. It's just like they lost a lot of close games, and they're off and on with injuries, but we talked about how Harden's pretty durable and how they can run a team. Like the first time he came back, he had forty-four and seventeen in a loss, but he's still able to orchestrate an offense. So, and no matter think, his supporting cast, his his ceiling or his floor for wins has been around fifty games, regardless. Right, right. So adding Harden to that mix, you're you're guaranteeing yourself um, continuity when people are injured. So I think that the Nets are are, are the clear favorites, but the the Bucks are picking up chemistry and with every passing game, and they're going to. They're going to be a um, they're going to be a tough team to beat as well. So not discounting the Bucks, but um, yeah, uh, or the I Celtics. Respect I respect that. Um, I think the Nets and the Bucks are both up there. You know, I could see the argument for the Nets just by talent alone. Uh, I could see the argument for the Bucks by fit and chemistry, but um, and the Celtics way, might find a way no to take it to that next level. So yeah, the Celtics. In the playoffs. I mean, Jalen Brown, if he continues being showing what he did to begin this year, we'll, we'll see how yeah. uh, how that shakes out. The second uh, question Noah brings to the table for us, uh, we are forever in Noah's debt for these wonderful questions that he brings. Do the Rockets make the playoffs, and what seed? Um, I'll let you go first since this is the Zach team. Yeah, and we talked about the Rockets tonight, so I don't want to belabor the point. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I'm looking at the Western standings right now, and what team's going to be out of that? I think that the Jazz may squeak out, and I think the Spurs will squeak out, uh, uh, leak out. I mean, not squeak in, but so I think the Jazz will be out, the Spurs will be out, and pretend, depending on injuries with the Warriors, but the way the Warriors are currently playing, they're they're making the playoffs. So I think out of the play, teams that are out of the playoffs, to fill those two gaps, Nuggets for sure. Um, Kings are tough. Pelicans are kind of tough. Grizzlies are kind of tough. So the Rockets will be fighting for that last spot. So I think the Nuggets are for sure in. And there's two teams already in there. So they're definitely going to be fighting for that eighth seed, um, especially with the start that they've had. Um, You know, we started the year off promising, but our last couple weeks, I don't know if it's because of Harden's lack of of interest in the team, but the last couple games have just been dismal. So – um, also, we've had two games against the Lakers, so that's tough anyway. But early in the season, um, I think we – I think we, if I had money, I'd bet um, – I wouldn't bet on it, but I think that – I think we can – I think we can nab the eight seed with Spurs and Jazz falling out and the Nuggets and Rockets coming in. Yeah, um, I, I pretty much agree with you. I think it's going to be a battle for the eighth seed for the Rockets. I said they were a fun team. I never said they were a playoff team. Um Yep. We'll see. Uh, and it has to do a lot with injuries, too. Um, I think that 
you know, a lot of guys on this Rockets team are injury prone. Three of them are coming off major injuries yeah. uh, currently. So yeah. um, that definitely plays a role. Um, I honestly, I almost see the Blazers dropping out before the, the Jazz with what we've seen from the Blazers. They're kind of, I mean, they have a seven and four record right now. Their defense is horrid. Um, I, th- I think the Jazz have a higher floor um, personally. The Spurs, I could definitely see dropping out. Uh, I could honestly, if Curry doesn't sustain this, uh, I could see the Warriors potentially dropping out as well. Um, but, I mean, who's to bet against Curry at this point? Uh, I will never bet against him uh, officially. But I could see the Nuggets sneaking in as they're currently gone. I don't really see the Kings or the Pelicans as much of a issue. I think the Rockets could definitely be better than them. Um so I, I think it's I think it's gonna be a close race. Um if anything, Rockets probably get the eighth seed uh if they make the playoffs though. Um do you have anything else you want to add to that before we move on to the final question of our mailbag? No. Not really. Okay. So the last question from Adam of New Berlin, Wisconsin. Who is the way too early MVP favorite? That's a damn good question right there. That's a question we could talk about. Yes, thank you, Adam and Noah, for your questions. Well, you mainly Adam. Um, <laughs> Joel Embiid is a name I'd throw out there as somebody who has been really, really good to start the season. Um, he's averaging 26.6 points, uh, 3.1 assists, 12.1 rebounds, uh, true shooting percentage of 66.2%, uh, 1.6 blocks, 1.4 steals, um, single-handedly has put the Sixers on his back for a lot of the year, uh, especially with Ben Simmons having a pretty rough start to the season. Um, he's definitely a name I'd throw out there. Nikola Jokic is another guy who we've talked about this on previous uh, episodes, but he has had another Tremendous start to the season, uh, averaging 24.3 points, 10.5 assists, 10.9 rebounds, uh, true shooting percentage of 66.3, shooting 41.2% from deep, 1.8 steals, 0.6 blocks. Uh, The Nuggets, um, let me check the standings here, have a 2-4 record, while the... 76ers have a six and one, or sorry. Like it's a five and six. Yeah, yeah, my bad. I was looking at the home records. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Sixers have an eight and four record. Nuggets are five and six. Um. So right now, I think Embiid is a strong candidate for MVP. Um, it's a big man's league again, Zach. Uh, do you have any other guys that you'd throw out there? Yes, I'm going to make this um, – I think I'm going to try to break this down. I'm not going to throw numbers out there. I'm not going to throw stats out there. Maybe a few numbers. The Lakers are at 10-3. and three. <sighs> the Lakers, They're at 10-3. and three. They have a 76.9 winning percentage. 
and LeBron doesn't win the MVP, something's wrong with the league. It's LeBron's year. So in a stacked in a, in, a, in a West that isn't stacked as more anymore, but it, it, it's so tight. Let those all those other guys battle each other out. AD's not even playing hard this year. They got a bunch of great role players that can carry the regular season load, and then will be then I'll give them practice for the playoffs. And then you got LeBron and AD just kind of just kind of just orchestrating, just just filling in the gaps. AD could have 15 points a game for this whole regular season, and they'll still have a high winning percentage. He's just he's just bidding his time. Just like just like Shaq did with Kobe, even LeBron's not even going super hard. So, um, as much as like Curry's playing great, um, KD's playing amazing. As much as as well as these other guys are playing, I think it's 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 just LeBron's to lose. Um, the Lakers are ten and three. Um, I'm sure they will be atop the West this year, like they were last year. Um. Lakers one seed, any scenario LeBron doesn't win MVP? At when he averages like 25, 8, and 8 or whatever, 25, 10, and 8? He's averaging currently 24.2 points, uh, 7.5 assists, and 7 – or sorry, 8.3 rebounds. Those numbers are down from last year where he averaged 25.3, 10.2 assists, uh, and – 7.8 rebounds. Um, LeBron almost won MVP last year on his Lakers narrative alone. I could definitely see LeBron winning it this year, considering Giannis is probably out of the picture no matter what his numbers are. And, uh, you know, having newcomers like Embiid and Jokic at the top of the fight right now, um, you're probably going to see LeBron win out on that narrative if the Lakers are top seed in the West. Um, I mean, I think right now the Lakers are probably the favorite to win the West. Um, Clippers are up there. Uh, there's a couple other teams that could sneak in there if both the L.A. teams decide to load manage a little bit more towards the end of the season. But, I mean, I could definitely see LeBron winning it. His numbers are down, though, so I'm not saying that he would necessarily deserve it more than he did last year. Um, might be just a weaker MVP class this year in general. So, I think it's a stronger MVP class, which makes it harder to pick, so they'll default to – because, like, Luka's on a four-game win streak, especially with Porzingis coming back. Luka's putting up some great numbers. Um, so I think you got, you got Luka, you got Bradley Beal. The, the record's not great, but you got Steph Curry. Um, KD, you got a bunch of these guys, even Giannis, you got a bunch of these guys on solid teams, putting up great numbers, so they're going to default, give us the best part on the best team. That's my bold prediction. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Luka is another one where um, if their record improves, um, if he gets his shooting numbers up a little bit more, could definitely be a favorite to win this year. Uh, just going by the stats now and the records now, though, the guys I mentioned are probably ahead of him. Currently, uh, he's sitting at 22.8% from three, uh, which isn't the best. He still is averaging 26.6 points per game, 8.3 assists, 9.1 rebounds, which are actually better numbers than LeBron's. Um, from a raw counting stat perspective, obviously the Lakers have a better but, record right now. 
It doesn't uh, like Harden's numbers were were theoretically better than Giannis's, but Giannis's like numbers that mattered were better. Yeah, and well, part of it, a lot of it was Giannis is just vastly superior defender to Harden. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you can say the same with LeBron at this point in his career compared to Luka. So it's uh, a little bit different. I think LeBron's done a good job. Like, he had that one year, his first year in L.A. when he was a shitty defender. But I think he's 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 in a really good spot in how he plays defense now. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's a liability by any means, but I don't think there's that dramatic difference that there was in the specific case of Harden and Giannis. Okay, so what does Luka need to average, and what C does he need to have to pass up? A, let's say LeBron, he's going to accelerate his numbers. Let's say he gets to 26, 9, and 8. You're saying so LeBron's going to get to 26, yeah. 9, and 8? With, with the first I, season. I don't, know, so if what, what I don't know if that's a given. I don't even know if that's a given. Okay, uh, let's say he averages 20, 25, 8, and 7. Okay, that's more similar to what he had last year. Less assists, but... Um, Luca, I think he can have comparable numbers if he is a top two or three seed in the in the West, um, probably closer to two. Uh, getting ahead of the Clippers there, um, I think that the narrative for Luca might be stronger than the narrative for LeBron at this point. Even though you have the Lakers' exceptionalism, and you know, you, you, Luca is such a league favorite. Um, he's young, he's in his third season. If he puts up LeBron-like numbers and is leading his team that doesn't have an Anthony Davis, I could totally see him potentially surpassing LeBron in the MVP conversation. In my opinion, if Luke Average is 25-8-7 and is a second seed, LeBron would have been robbed. I'm not saying LeBron wouldn't be robbed. We're talking about who's going to win MVP. I don't. I think I'm, talking, I, I think LeBron, I'm, I'm thinking with the narrative involved, with the fans' perspective involved, not necessarily who I think is the true best player, the true MVP. I think LeBron puts the call on the to Adam Silver and just says, "Hey, fucko, I built I, I built this league." He tried to do that last year, it didn't work out. Almost. Hey, you got more votes than I thought he would have. <laughs> got way more votes uh, than he deserved. That's for sure. I think it's LeBron, bottom line. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, If I had to put money on it, I might put it on LeBron. I'm just basing what I've talked about on, you know, some other potential guys who I could definitely see winning it. Um, But if, if I were to put money on LeBron against the field, I'd take LeBron probably still. Yeah, me too. Um. Yeah, uh, that pretty much wraps up this episode. Uh, we went longer than Zach wanted us to go. He had some work to take care of, but that's all right. Um, we had some fun today. We did. We did. It was a James Harden special. It really was. Um, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Backseat GM Pod. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify uh, and Simplecast. Uh, we were. I am still in talks ben, with. Ben, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of hearing about Apple. All right, Apple's been screwing us. Yep. Once, 
Once it happens, <laughs> once it happens, we'll talk about it. Let's stop teasing people with the Apple Podcast shit. Don't worry. It's uh, two years away from being two years away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, uh, that wraps it up from our perspective. Thanks, Zach, for not being a deadbeat podcast host this week. It's good to be back. I'm sure I'm I'm sure it is. It's good to have hey, you back, Zach. Cheers to competing with the Thunder for who can acquire the most uh, high school talent in the twenty twenties. That's that's true. The the monopoly the two the two monopolies have begun. But who is the better team right now? Who would you rather watch? The Rockets. So I'm happy. I'm happy. I don't know. If you're a hipster, maybe Shea Gilgis Alexander and George Hill. And Al Horford. <laughs> and Al Horford. <laughs> and Al Horford. Well, all right. Thank you. Thank, thank you all for listening. Um, you know, it's a crazy day in the news. Trump and Trump impeached the second time. So, um, cheers to everyone out there. Hope you find a beer that's better than the Heineken Double Zero. And uh, thanks for your loyal support. Yep. Uh, here's to hoping everyone finds a beer that actually has alcohol in it. Uh, <laughs> signing cheers off. to that. Uh, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Ben. Mm-hmm.